Hey, this is Rockers Gustis. At the right block, dribbles the left hand, now the skyhook misses on the putback, and it's good. Gustis has his very first career double-double. Rockers Gustis with yet another double-double, 17 points, 16 rebounds. He grew up in the basketball craze Lithuania, eventually found his way across the pond in the United States, playing at the prestigious Oak Hill Academy, and found his way at Hofstra University, a four-year college career where he finished 16th all-time in total rebounds, second in his conference to a Hall of Famer in that category, and a few all-CAA selections. His name is Rokas Gustis, and the future still remains very bright for a future professional basketball player. I'm Dan Savarino, and we'll be taking you on a four-quarter journey throughout the life of Rokas Gustis, from his time growing up in Konis, Lithuania, all the way through his years at Oak Hill Academy, eventually Hofstra University, and now his preparation for professional basketball. And Rokas, this is something that you have been talking about that you've wanted to do. You want to open up and get to know the real rock. Uh, I'm very, very close person. You know, I keep my circle very small. So I'm really was thinking about it, sharing my story to others. So, you know, younger kids, other athletes who went through that process, sharing my experience and talk about how everything was growing up back home in Lithuania and, you know, moving uh, to the United States when I turned 18 and, you know, going through the process of NCAA and uh, high school basketball program and now preparing for my professional basketball career. So it's just, I think it will be really interesting for other people who, who doesn't know much about me, just sharing my experience, my thoughts, and hopefully I'll give some people advice, you know, how to do things and how to, st uh, how to stay, stay ready and motivated, you know. All right, let's tip off. It's quarter number one. Let's go back to the Perth years, 1994 in Lithuania, a country that is so crazed with basketball. When's the first time you actually picked up a ball? Uh, first time was when I was five years old. You know, it was pretty easy. My family uh, was all about sports. My dad was, uh, he rode a bike when he was younger until he had problems with his heart. And then my brother was a basketball player. So he started playing since he was six or seven years old. So it was pretty easy, you know, going to his games and watching him bounce the ball aside and then play with his friends, you know, it was easy easy for me to figure out what I want to do. So no one stopped me from doing that because of a super active kid. And uh, I had so much energy that my parents were like, you got to do something to to <laughs> to lose that or, you know, you're going to drive us crazy. So basketball is a great thing, you know, starting at five years old, ditching the naps at, in the kindergarten was one of the best thing ever. Well, how tall were you when you were a kid? Were uh, you always the tallest kid in class? No, I feel like I was probably the biggest kid, like talking – the f like not a fattest, but the biggest, <laughs> widest sh sh shoulders and uh, <clears throat> height. But you know, girls were bigger than me at that age. You know how girls grow a little faster than the boys. So I was always strong because probably my dad. He was like six one, two hundred eighty pounds. So I probably got it from him. So you know, it was just something to do and just following like, my brother's steps. He was really talented. He was a very different player from me. He was a six seven, hundred ninety pounds wing. You know, and shooter. So for me, it was a kind of different path because I was always a center because in Lithuania, it's more as a team, as a team uh, sport, basketball is. You don't really do much one-on-one -on -one like in the United States. You know, that's the difference I see now. And I you know Lithuania is changing a lot by 
making the cams and individual workouts and stuff like this. But when I was growing up, I was just big kid, and they already told like, "Hey, you're gonna be a center because you're bigger and stronger than everybody else." So I had to live with it, you know. And it's just kind of hard now, and it's kind of biting me in my, my butt right now because of the shooting and everybody else thinking I cannot dribble and do all the other stuff. So I have to work extra hard to improve on those things. But I could have done it when I was younger, but. The point of this is in Lithuania, when you're growing up at that age and a long time ago, you're already like set up what your position is going to be. You know, it's not like you can play from one to five. You're going to have to be picked and pushed. So I think that was the biggest problem I was growing up. And a lot of my age players are the same way. You know, they only can play in one position, you know, so it's pretty hard. But, you know, I, I, I think I think like I figured it out and, you know, Help myself to improve in those things, you know, understanding the game. Maybe I'm not as a great shooter as everyone, everyone else in my height, but I'm doing other things pretty, pretty, pretty good. So, your brother Vitus, 11 years apart between the two of you, um, your relationship is a very close one. From at least from what I've seen, you know, as a friend of yours over the last number of years. Uh, you know, a little bit different because you have such a, a wide age gap. When you guys were growing up, were you just as close? Uh, no, actually not. He actually hated me because I was so active and I was trying to get in his business all the time, you know, when he was going out with the girls, I was always trying to be a part of his girlfriend's life and other friends and, you know, try and hang out with other people. So he kind of hated me for that. But now we are really close because we are only 11 years apart. So I feel like it got us closer and going through all the situation and he helped, helped me a lot with the uh, money situation and moving to the United States, he was the one who, who helped me with the, you know, all expenses and everything like that. So I feel like having a bigger brother like this helps a lot. So hopefully one day I can pay off. When you look at your family dynamic, uh, your mother, Yeva, that's a, I pronounce it correctly? Yeah, Yeva, yes. Yeva, yes. Your mother is someone I know is very close to you, always has been. But to leave someone, not to jump far too far, far ahead with this, but to leave someone at a young age who you grew up around, uh, was that the toughest part? Because you two have a pretty strong connection. Uh, no, I, I don't think it was hard at the time because I really wanted. And my mom and I are kind of very similar persons because she she's going to get whatever she's putting into. So I, I can share a quick story. She she didn't have a job, and she was applying for a bunch of jobs in different different uh, different cities and stuff like this. She was studying to t uh, test every night and trying to get the really nice government job. And she got it. She she won the lottery or a test or whatever. She she got it. She was one of the ten people who won that job. It's really hard to get in that job, but she did it. But it was in a different city. So every morning she will have to wake up at five a.m. in the morning and take a train there every single day for an hour. You know, it was just seeing that kind of motivated me. Like what I want to do. Like hey, I want to have that grit like my mom did. So I feel like seeing her like this made me understand that you can get anything you want if you put the the right amount of work into it. So. From that, she was she's really happy. She's had that job for 15 years now, and you know, like makes me happy and keeps me motivated because I know what I what I want. If I put the work in, I feel like I can get it. So, and leaving her was kind of tough, but at that time, I love her, my, my dad. And uh, at that point, I was like, okay, they both they both gonna figure out what to do, and it's gonna be nice. They always wanted the, the best for me, so basketball was a big point. But doing this academic stuff. And getting two diplomas was definitely for my mom and definitely for, for her happiness and showing her that it's, everything is possible if you put enough work and energy to, towards it. And this is something that you really do not talk about at all. And uh, for all the people who have covered you for a number of years, at least just throughout your time that I've known you, at least at Hofstra, um, 
about your dad. You, you, it's a situation that you do not talk about with that, but he did pass away when you were young. Um, I know you wanted to open up a little bit more about that. Uh, yeah, you know, <clears throat> it, it happened really fast. You know, I left home when I was 18. I literally was in the plane when I was turning 18 on August 22nd, six years ago. And, uh, you know, I had a bright vision going to one of the top high schools in the, in the whole entire country, you know, and knowing I'm going to be a great physician. And, you know, my dad was back home and my mom, nothing changed. They were still going to work. They helping me, supporting me. They called me on Skype. And, you know, and one day we're going to Hawaii, you know, and we talk. We talked before, and I, I get to Hawaii. It's a 12-hour difference between Hawaii and Lithuania. And I'm there, you know, enjoying sun, enjoying, you know, nice all those nice things, beach, you know, during December. You know, right. it's Hawaii's <laughs> everybody's dreaming. People couldn't believe I'm there while in Lithuania is minus 40 degrees and everybody <laughs> wearing coats and, I don't know, like two feet snow. It's unbelievable. But, yeah, so I was just enjoying time. I talked to him. I talked to my mom and everything like that. And all of a sudden, next day, I get a call and say, like, nothing. They didn't say anything. They're just looking at me. And I was like, hey, what happened? And no one had enough brave to tell me. And I was like, yeah, something is up. And they're like, are you alone? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, so your dad just passed away. And I was like, wait, what? I just talked to him the last night. And they're like, yep. And they're like, we're sad to tell you. And I was like, wow. So that was so this a- is the coaching staff that told you. No, no, no. That's my, my mom told me first. Okay, so if, if like a via FaceTime. Yeah, so for example, because she didn't want like someone like text me on Facebook like, "Hey, like I'm sorry about your loss," and right. she was like, "I'd rather do myself like ASAP instead of like you figuring it out from other people because in Lithuania everything goes around really fast." And at that mom, at that point, Facebook was a huge thing there, so if they they felt like, "Oh, someone's gonna text me," and we'd rather tell him himself. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, like I get off FaceTime or, or at that time was Skype, and I was like. I don't know. I was kind of lost, you know, and we're in Hawaii, you know, everybody's by the pool. Everybody's like enjoying sun and they have a practice later that night and have a game tomorrow. So it was just crazy. And, uh, you know, my brother calls me later. I was like, hey, let me talk to coach. And I was like, no, I don't want anyone to know it, you know. And he was like, no, let me talk because it's going to be hard for you. And I was like, sure. So I go to Coach Smith. Uh, like I, I remember this like it was yesterday. You know, I go to Coach Smith. And not a lot of people know the story, so because I keep it pretty close, and a lot of people didn't even know after two years, and I didn't have my dad, and now it, it's like so much easier to talk about it and share all the experience I had to go through. Uh, so on that note, I bring the iPad to my to my coach. My brother tells my coach. I'm bowling my eyes, you know, I'm all sad. We have practice in two hours, you know. Everybody's in great mood, you know. I'm only one that's kind of messed up. and But, uh, you know, my brother talks to the coach. And the best thing about Oak Hill, I can say since the day I went there, was, like, they treat me like family. You know, I didn't speak any English. Like, people nowadays ask me, like, hey, like, did you speak any English when you got here in the United States or high school or anything like that? I'd be like, no. And they were like, wow, you're – you're pretty good, you know, like your language is pretty good. Yeah, sometimes I like stutter or, you know, get nervous <laughs> and stuff like this. But so, I don't know, leaving Lithuania and going into going to United States and after four months, basically four months, figuring out that your dad passed away, it was kind of hard. It was really tough, you know, but I knew the coaches were on my side. They're willing to help all the coaching staff, assistant coaches, coaches, my head coach wife. Everybody was so nice, and they're like, okay, 
what are we going to do now? Like, you should definitely take the practice. I was like, no, I can't because like, I can just sit in my room and, you know, cry all day long. I was like, I got I, I to gotta go. And, you know, I'm sure that's what my dad wouldn't want me to do. Don't take any practices off or don't take any games off. And so I, I figured it out. I got myself together, you know. Later on, I'm going to practice. I go to practice. Everything is good. I come back, and my assistant coach was like, hey, like, I'm buying you tickets to go back to Lithuania and go to funeral. But I was like, no, I can't do it because I cannot just, like, quit everything right now and just, you know, fly 12 hours to New York and then 12 hours to Lithuania. So I was like, I got I to gotta pass on this, you know, it's how hard it is and everything like this. And Lithuania is right now minus 40 degrees i was like it's just not gonna be smart move by me and it's gonna be just even make me even harder being a flight and just keep thinking about it so and we decided that i'm not gonna go and you know like I'm, i don't really regret it that i didn't go but i know it was hard for my brother and my mom at that moment to be there alone by themselves and knowing i wasn't by myself alone but i thought it was the best decision you know like the next day we had a game and we had like a half a day off so figured out went to church cried my whole way there you know, it was raining and everything like this. Like, I don't really tell people this story, but I think that that helped me a lot to realize that not, not nothing is over, you know. Like, I still have my goals. I still have my, my passion, and I know my dad wouldn't want me to do it, and he didn't want me to quit. He never, he never would have let me quit. So I thought I did the right thing, and since then, I feel like I got stronger. Maybe I got a little more close for other people. Maybe that's why my circle is so small. Maybe I don't talk much about it. But just because, you know, going through that experience, especially when you're by yourself and in a different country with not much English, it was just, it was a lot of, like, figuring it out. You know, like, hey, are you going to gonna make it or break it? You know, so that was the only thing I always thought about, like, what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do. And it just keep, keep me going, motivated, you know. And it was hard for my mother. I felt really bad. And I was like, can't quit, you know. And she wouldn't let me quit. So I know a lot of people would have quit back home and sit with their mom. But I knew my mom was so strong, and she's going to figure out, and she did. So I'm really happy for her and really proud of what we did through, through that hard moment and how we, we were able to handle everything, you know? So I know this might be obviously tough to answer, but was that moment, sitting in Hawaii, you find out this horrible news uh, about your family, you don't know what to do, go back home, uh, do you stay? Was that maybe the most you've ever felt alone? When you were least in the United States or in your entire life? I mean, I kind of made it on, my, on myself. I made it on myself, you know, just, like, separating myself from other people, like, keeping it kind of secret. I don't want like, I told my coach, I was like, can we please not tell anyone? Like, I don't want my teammates to look at me different, treat me different, you know? Like, it's still, like, life moves on, and I always look at this thing like, okay, it's, it can be worse and stuff like that. And uh, so I told my coach, I was like, please – Let's keep it between me and you right now. Let's figure this out. Let's finish this tournament. Let's go back home because it's going to be a winter break. And, uh, you know, like, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to relax and I'm going to be fine. You know, like, I just had to figure out on my own. So it was tough, but, uh, you know, I feel like it was way, way harder for my brother and my mom who was actually there. My brother literally jumped on a flight the same day and flew back from Ireland and helped my mom to set up everything, and, you know, it was really sad, and just a lot of thinking, and 12-hour difference, it was just, you know, it's a mess, but that's why, I, you know, since day one, basketball has kind of had my back on everything, going through tough days, going through anything was wrong, basketball was only the only, the only thing that kept me positive, that kept me going, you know, because, you know, it's, it's just a ball sometimes, I think, but I feel like it's such a big part of your life, 
that it kind of helps you in a lot of different ways and not even just get your energy out of you like you know i have plenty of or <laughs> emotions or stuff like this that's how i feel like after practice or games i'm just so like not very emotional you know that's why for me it's so hard to be in a relationship because all my emotional goes to the basketball court so I feel like at that moment, basketball really helped me a lot, and I had a couple couple weeks to figure it out, talk it out to my mom, keep her positive, talk to my brother who actually was going really through really tough times in that moment, and I was kind of I was kind of the, the the most positive person in that situation. So I felt like okay, now it's time to grow up. You know, I'm 18, I just lost my dad. Uh, I'm by myself in the United States with barely any English, you know, asking people, hey, what does that mean or what does that mean? And since day, since day one, I'm still doing the same thing. And it's just, I'm by myself, you know, I've been six years uh, living on my own. That's why I don't really want to go back home and live with my mom. And it's just, it's not because I don't like her. It's just because I'm so used to it, you know, like on my own schedule. It's just so much harder. So I feel like that loss made me a man or made me grow up faster and it was a kind of wake up call. And I was like, okay, now I'm going to do it for my mom, my, my brother and my dad, you know, like it's going to be motivation was going to get me going. So since then, like it still get me going every morning, look at my, how strong my mom was at that moment. You know, I can't, can't give up on any small bad days or bad victories or bad losses or anything like that. I know you look a little bit like your dad. I've seen pictures of it. You, you look very similar from when you were younger to, to, what you are now because I still see it in the face what, what kind of memories what would be what is one best memory you have of your father from your childhood uh you know he was always nice you know it was a 6'1 280 pounder you know muscle and strong guy who would I don't know break the house by himself or lift the car it was just a, one of those guys and I felt like I feel like I got a lot from him just the strength and you know, but he was a really nice guy. He was always willing to help to other people. He's very generous and would never say no to anyone. And best memories with him, we had a summer house and we would spend there every single weekend building, doing something. He always loved to build. He always loved to do stuff to make make my life better for make my life make mine or my mom's life better or easier, more comfortable. So it was always the guy who'll get it comfortable for us, you know, make sure we we have food, we have uh you know, everything we need, clothes and stuff like this. Memories with him. He wasn't a big athlete or playing basketball with me, but he was always the guy who will watch basketball with me. He will talk about it. will, like, say, hey, go get some laps in, you little, little, little fat boy, because at that moment I was worrying more about donuts than actual, <laughs> you know, running or doing anything like that. So he was a motiv- motivator in those things that said, like, you got to do those things if you want to, you know, succeed in your life. And, you know, all the... Table table games like chess and all stuff like this, uh, you know, had it had it grown up. So it was pretty cool and a great experience. All I can remember, all only good things, you know, those bad things you just try to brush it off and you know just remember the good. Life in Conus, what is it like in that town? I know you said it's a big town there. You look at the population with almost two hundred thousand, but what was the life like growing up in a, a city like that that was so still basketball crazed? Yeah, it's funny because. My brother always says, oh, he's a city kid. And, and I'm like, not really. You know, like comparing to other cities and countries, Lithuania is pretty tiny. But growing up there was straight basketball, basketball courts. Every single apartment complex will have a basketball court. 
every single one you know it's crazy when you go there bas- everybody's obsessed with basketball you know if it's a if you have a boy growing up he's going to play basketball sad sad story but they're going to try you know maybe he's not going to be very very talented or anything like that but if you're a boy even a girl you're going to try to play basketball and that doesn't doesn't go well you know as other sports but basketball is number one so Growing up there, it was just no option other than playing basketball, especially having your brother who was six seven and pretty good at basketball. So it was good, you know. I went to one of the prestigious basketball academy, uh, academies there, and you know had to manage going to practice by myself because my parents, but both parents were working and trying to support my, me because my brother left home when he was eighteen. So. I was kind of a golden child in that family, and I was getting pretty much everything <laughs> I wanted to because I I wouldn't know how to get it because my dad was so nice and my mom was the the one who was the bad guy in in our family. But they both loved me and they both made sure like I'm gonna have everything and pay for me to go to academy and be coached and get all those things I needed like sneakers and clothing and everything like that. So I'm very thankful that I had a had such a supportive family. You didn't speak any English when you were coming over to the United States. How important was English or learning another language in your country? Uh, or was there any importance? Uh, not really. You know, at, at that moment, I was like, okay, I'll play basketball forever. Who cares about academics? And you know, <laughs> it, it's it's it sounds funny now when you, when I have two diplomas and the master with me right now. It just sounds very funny that I, at that moment I was like, okay, I'm gonna be basketball player forever. Not gonna be no injuries. Nothing's gonna happen. I'm just gonna bounce the ball till till I don't know till I die. So yeah, like a typical kid. That pretty much like a typical kid, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I wasn't that good, to be honest. I mean, I had a growth birth. I don't know, 14, 15, 16 years old, 17. Those couple of years, I, 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 t- I grow really tall, and I actually got lucky. Met my good friend. Uh, his dad picked me up for his team, the best team in 1994 age group, and then. You know, everything started from there. You know, I just was the late bloomer, you know. Wasn't really talented, wasn't really good, was just bigger and stronger than everybody else. You know, had a lot of uh, a lot of passion in me to make it happen. You know, like like I said, my brother was the one talented in the family, but I was the one who always wore hard and get stuff done my way. So growing up there was hard, and, you know, I was never best player on the team or anything like that, but... I was always there. I was always had potential. People see that I can do what I can do, you know, use my strength, use my, I don't know, IQ or anything like that. So it was, everything was good besides that I wasn't in the right mindset at that moment, you know, taking care of academics and learning English in there because no one actually pressures you. If you don't want to do it, they're not going to make you do it. You know, like mandatory school is there until ninth grade. So if you don't want to go, Past ninth grade, that's your option. That's your call. But knowing my mom, she would never let me do it. So I had to go back to school and I had to go to class. But the better I got in basketball, the less academics was in my life. So that means I will have to go practice. That means I'll have to miss class. It wasn't people always asking, what is basketball and academics there? It's two separate things. It's you either do one good or another good. It's like it's no way you can do both well, like in the United States where everything is so set up. You have your schedule, you have a practice after class and stuff like that. But in Lithuania, you either go to class or you go to practice. So, of course, what do you think would I pick? I'll go to practice. You know, my mom wasn't happy about it, but my dad was like, no, you should, you should play basketball. It was better money and stuff like this because, you know, it's got to stay, stay in shape and get better. So 
my mom was like, okay. And we that's how I started training more, practicing more, going after it. And, of course, it kind of hurt my academics and my my language barrier when I had to come over because I didn't really go to English class that, that often. <laughs> <laughs> well, your English, as you used to always say to everyone, my English is not very good. Even if it was good, it was just a classic line to get away from people. That's Pretty much, yeah, yeah, just to make people laugh. It's, it's a good excuse. When you're 6'9 and you know you have very broken English, it, it is a very good excuse that people won't bother you then when I you think, say that. I think people thought I was that was kind of cute and they're like, well, let me go get away with anything, like even missing my homework assignments. You're ridiculous. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, now I cannot get away with it anymore. If you know, I try my my grad school, you know, like people probably look like I'm weird or something's wrong with me. So I would never use that card anymore. So life in Lithuania now starting to come to a close. You're 16, 17 years old. How did it happen? How did you get over to not just one Oak Hill, but to play overseas, as they call it, in the United States? So I signed up for a camp. It's called. I don't know. Give a scholarship to go to the to go to the camp. You work out, you play well, and you have a chance to get a scholarship or something that someone will find just cool over here to to play. So I saw that I paid money to go to that camp. I gave all I had from my heart. You know, I was really chasing that dream. I was like, I don't know why, but I really want to go to the United States overseas and uh, see what it's like. You know, maybe you know something is gonna fit. I'm going to fit more into, you know. So that's why I told my parents, I was like, I want to go to this camp. I want to try to get a scholarship. I want to try to get this high school or college to to play, you know, in the future. And they're like, I don't think we can do it, you know, at that moment, like money, situation, everything like this. But I was like, I really wanted to. And I think I, I can have a big shot, you know. And for the rest of the time, you guys are not going to have to pay for school or anything like this or basketball. And you're like, okay, we'll do it for you just because how much how patient you are and how much you want it to to invest and to get better. So so I won't I go there, I go to the camp, it's a ten day camp. Uh, I work out every day. I work out in front of the co- high school coaches, I work out in the in front of the agent who does all that thing, who runs it all. Really famous, who brought a lot of good players overseas and helped them to to get their college degrees. So I go through there. I go. I play against great competition. I'm six five, center, undersized, who 16 years old, not strong, just trying to get my 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 attention and people to get to know me. And at the end of the camp, he brings three or four players. He says like, "Okay, guys, like I'm gonna try to find a school for you." But I wasn't one of those guys, so I kind of had to be disappointed. I was like, "Okay." What's next? You know, I'm not going to the United States 16 years old, so what's next? So I go back home and tell my parents. They said, you look fine. You lost a lot of weight. It was like kind of uh, overweight people came, sounds like. but <laughs> It seems like to be a, a big thing here that you keep a recurring theme that you were overweight. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a little overweight, and, you know, it's always a problem. Like, I like sweets a lot, so I feel like that's always <laughs> biting me in my butt, but... I'm trying to work with it, trying to get my diet ready and trying to get better. So every, I feel like every year I'll just keep improving myself and hopefully by age of 40, I'll get rid of that sweet tooth. <laughs> but talking about back about the camp, it just was really disappointing. I thought that while I thought I would get a chance and I thought I'll have enough hard work to put into it to, to make it happen. And I, I didn't. And the next thing you know, I get picked up for a best team in my, my age group and... 
get a chance there to improve and play for one of the best coaches at that that age. So I feel like, you know, sometimes one door closes, another door opens, you know. So I feel like, okay, I don't have to nothing to disappoint be disappointed about. I'm gonna put enough work in there. I have work ethic. I know what it takes to get there now. So it's just work. So I do that. We play for the best team who had two national Lithuanian national men's team players and we did really well. We won a year older competition and won our age competition. So that's kind of give me more exposure, more understanding what my game can be. So after that, I was like, okay, what's next? So we go to, with the team to China and we play against a team called Oak Hill Academy. And we play against a team who called China national team. And then we play against a team who's Australian national team on my age and under 18. And I was like, wow, like that'll be awesome to play for Oak Hill Academy. Like you look at them, you see how talented players are. You see what they're wearing. They're wearing Jordan Brand Classic. That was Michael Jordan is like my best player, my best, my, my most favorite player to watch. Even I don't really watch him live, but I feel like all the highlights and everything like this. And of course, it was my brother's favorite player. So maybe that's why also adds up that I really like him. So seeing the team geared up, high school team geared up with all that gear, I was like, wow, that'll be my dream to to play for a team like this, you know. But I'm probably not good enough, and maybe, maybe you know, it's just a dream. Well, that dream would eventually become a reality. And in quarter number two, we will discuss that in the journey over to the United States of America, to Virginia, to play at the prestigious Oak Hill Academy. Barocas Goosties, I'm Dan Savarino. Thanks so much for joining us. And second quarter will be a very interesting one. Thanks, Rock. Thank you, Dan. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Hofstra University, Oak Hill Academy, or the employers of Rokas Goosties and Dan Savarino.